Welcome back to This Week in Film. It's the weekly podcast where we get together and talk about the movies we've seen over the past seven days. I'm Nick Panunto, joined as always by Midwest Matt Lauer. Matt, how is it going? It's going well, Nick. How are you? I'm doing quite all right. I've seen four movies this week. Holy crap, you've had a busy week. I've seen two movies this week. I saw... Oh, t- <laughs> what? <laughs> t- t- tell me what they are. All right, uh, I saw In the Tall Grass oh. uh, and a movie called Inside Out. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I have seen the movies Frozen from 2013, uh. Devil from 2010, huh. Godzilla, King of the Monsters from uh. 2019, and Dick Tracy from 1990. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. Yep, what a week. What a week it was. Well, uh, I'm going to guess you're going to kick things off here. Yeah, I'll start with Frozen. All right. So I've talked about this movie before. Go back and listen to a previous episode where I talk about Frozen. So I don't really have all that much to say. But we watched this movie in preparation for the sequel that's coming out. My kids are going to go see it, I think, next week. Oh, that's happening uh, soon. I didn't know that. Yeah. And uh, this movie is wonderful. It's so good. There's a couple of parts that suck. There's this whole sequence. Have you seen it? I don't know. Right? I, I saw two or three minutes of it for the first time ever the other day in a doctor's office waiting room. <laughs> There's like two or three parts that totally suck. Like, the end of the movie's pretty bad, and then there's this whole sequence with rock people that's terrible, that doesn't need to be in there, and it's just there for... To sell to make, toys. Basically to sell toys and for there to be another song. Oh, yeah. And you're like, and you're like okay, I could have skipped this whole part. But for the most part, the movie is just charming, it's gorgeous to look at, and I was shocked that it came out in 2013. It's, it's six years old. And almost to the day, uh, it was directed by Chris Buck and Jennifer Lee, and they are the ones who are making the sequel. So I'm excited to see the sequel because the same creative team is back together for it. And I still have a theory that the redheaded girl, Anna, will discover that she has the power to control fire. That's my big theory about the movie, because then you got your fire and your ice, which is, yeah. you know, uh, it's a song. I got gotcha. you. Like I said, this movie's charming, it's very entertaining, but it really falls apart when the villain is revealed in the movie, because the true villain of this movie is the one of the main characters, Elsa. She's like the one that can control the ice, she has Iceman powers. Uh-huh. But beyond that, the real bad guys of this movie are her parents, because when she's a child, she accidentally freezes part of her sister's head. And almost kills her and they have to go visit the rock creatures to save her. And then they're like, she is dangerous. And the dad's like, oh, uh, the dad who is also the king is like, oh, okay, well, we'll take care of this by just pretending it doesn't exist. We'll, we'll, we'll lock her away in her room and she'll, she'll just kind of disappear from society and we won't deal with this problem. We'll, we'll deal with it by ignoring it. And so that doesn't work out. And she becomes she accidentally freezes the whole country and she runs away and immediately knows how to control her powers to the point of being able to create clothing out of ice 
and stuff. Uh-huh. And I know it's a cartoon and it doesn't make sense, but apparently all this character needed to do was just cut loose for an afternoon and she would be in complete control of her power to oh. the point where she can create sentient life out of ice. Because being able to control ice means you can also play God. Yes, she's a she's a living god, and it's quite good. I, I highly recommend checking it out. I thought and the bad guy turned out to be some dude that was pretending to help her the whole time. They do that at the at the end, like they just kind of turn this one guy who's like a good dude the whole movie into like the bad guy because you can't have you, the the princess in the movie be the real bad guy. Oh, okay, so it's there just to be able to help make her good again. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Where she's where she has something to like redeem herself and then like the real main character of the movie, the redheaded girl, has a chance to save the day. And it's a kids movie, so like you get it, but it seems like an awful lot of effort on this dude's part for his long-term scheme. <laughs> so is let it go is that where the girl like decides to just have her powers? Yes. Okay. That's a great song. Like I'm sure it's really played out, but when you uh oh, yeah. when you see it performed in the in the car- or in the animated movie, Edina Menzel is the voice of Elsa mm-hmm. and she was in Rent, right? Wasn't she I what's her so. name in Rent? Joanne not Joanne. Maybe the other right. one. No, the uh, Mark's girlfriend. Uh Maureen. Maureen, yeah. Wasn't she Maureen? Maybe. Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> and she's just terrific. She's really good. The animation in the movie is out of this world, and you're just really into it. And the songs are fun, and Kristen Bell plays Anna, and the songs that she sings are real fun. Like, they're, they're entertaining songs. They're not, until you get to the rock people song, they're... They're just songs where you're just enjoying the the telling of the story that the song's doing, and there's like some meta stuff, some fourth wall breaking, but it's pretty entertaining. But I really hate the rock people. <laughs> and that's all I got for Frozen, till I watch it again and, and talk about it another time. Well, that was a pretty good and quick one. Uh, yeah. Do you want to do a different one? Yeah. Let's talk about Godzilla, King of the Monsters. <laughs> all right. How'd it go? This was terrible. Yeah. Man. I mean, this was the worst. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a big fan of the, I guess, 2014 Godzilla, the, the second American yeah, that's remake. Right, but at least it had some Godzilla doing stuff in it. Mm-hmm. This movie is nothing. It's just nothing. It makes no sense. Nothing makes any sense. Right. It's so... Yeah convoluted you see more monsters and yet there's less happening yeah and i was reading the the trivia for this movie and they make a point of saying there's more godzilla on screen in this movie than in the 2014 version Uh and one i can't see how that's possible because in the first movie, Godzilla's in it. And in this movie, Godzilla isn't really in the movie at all. And when we do see him, he's just breathing a lot. You get to see like steam come out of his nose a whole lot. He looks like a lizard that's been punched in the face a whole lot. And I'm going to say a whole lot, a whole lot. Maybe, maybe <laughs> they can claim that he's on screen more because all of the shots are like, full body you can see all of him and yeah i mean he he may have more screen time but it just doesn't none of it matters none of it's substantial at all i mean there was the movie is how long it's almost like 
It's two hours years? and 12 minutes long. Yeah, that's oh. what it felt like. I started looking at my watch. I don't have a watch, but I started looking at the time 10 minutes into this movie. I was, I was already like, how much longer is this? Oh God, there's so much more. When it got to the hour 40 part, is when the climax of the movie is going to start where like thermonuclear Godzilla shows up and he's going to fight the three headed dragon monster. Uh-huh. Gadira, I think. I, I don't know. I think that's right. And I'm like, oh, okay. So we're going to finally see these two fight and there's 40 minutes left of this movie. It's going to be a 40 minute long fight sequence. Awesome. Nope. It's more people, more boring, terrible people that I don't care about and just want them to get out of the way so I can see Godzilla punch something. If I have to watch one more minute of people staring off in awe of Godzilla while he's doing something off screen, I'm going to freak out. Yeah, this is one of those movies where somehow people got it in their heads that the people were the important part. Yep. And they're all terrible characters anyway. All of them. They're all terrible characters. How could this happen? How could you make this movie and then (laughs) and then be proud of it? I I hopefully nobody is proud of it. But, uh, you know, I, I think that there are so many Godzilla movies, you know, made. That oh are yeah, there similar, are some you know? <laughs> like but, there are some god awful Godzilla movies like I mean there are so many super terrible Godzilla movies but they didn't cost a hundred and seventy million dollars to make indeed they did not <laughs> some of those Godzilla movies from the late sixties and seventies look like they cost a hundred dollars to make yeah. Like you just went down to the costume store. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what, though. You, you said something in, in text about having thought about watching Kong, King of the Monsters, or whatever it is, Kong Island, Kong yeah. Skull Island. And when you see that, you'll probably go, yeah, this is how it's done. Here's a terrible movie that's just here so you can see some some monsters. And it's kind of fun. I mean, it's it's really bad, it, and it, and I think it knows what it is. I think it's pretty tongue in cheek, and I'm not by any means saying that's a great movie, but in terms of just going, hey, like the point you're making in terms of like how could they make a movie that sucks this much this way? I think Kong Skull Island probably is a good example of yeah, you could do this pretty lazily and still entertain people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd like to see that now. I, I really made the wrong choice. Oh, but maybe I did like Maybe Maybe watching this will make me really appreciate the Kong movie. But this movie just feels like it's just a commercial for the King Kong versus Godzilla movie that I guess is coming. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You know, I, th- I feel like a lot of these movies that suck end up killing these franchises they want to get going but maybe this one's far enough along that they'll follow through i mean half of this movie they say skull island every other line in this movie do they i don't even remember oh yeah they they do reference it. it yeah they say it so many times and then in the end credits there's like a whole like it's just like a bunch of newspapers they mention skull island so many times and they're like skull island monster chose not to answer the call of Gadira because he he likes his his island i'm like okay all right so king kong monster is one of these things too i guess is what we're trying to say yeah he's one of the what do they titans. call them yeah. they call them titans yeah i like the kaiju word better yeah this this movie was way better 
done in Pacific Rim. Like, I really like Pacific Rim. The actors and the story is stupid, but the action sequences are spectacular. And there's a bunch of them. Well, and and that's that's kind of... uh, I did not like Pacific Rim, but in terms of what it does, right? It's the stuff that Godzilla 2014 did, right? Where they're like make you feel the size of the thing. The movement looks slow and heavy and cumbersome. And when something hits another thing, you feel the impact because it's big and it's like too big to fit on the screen without these weird angles that put you at the perspective of people who are actually around it rather than just watching a video game where there's a bad guy on one side and a bad guy on the other side or a a fighter on one side, a fighter on the other side, and like a health meter. Because there's so many scenes in the movie you're talking about where like I'm just like, throw some health meters up, and that's exactly what this looks like. And by the way, Godzilla vs. Kong is slated to hit the uh, theaters in 2020. Next year? Uh Uh-huh. According to IMDb. Well, they've never been wrong. (laughs) I hear that. I'm thinking we should watch Shin Godzilla from 2016. That's supposed to be a fantastic movie, I, as, as far as Godzilla movies go. But you were talking about the size of yeah. the monster, yeah. and that's another huge problem with this movie, is that at one point, they're on a boat in the, or a submarine in the middle of the ocean, and Godzilla just stands up, and it, it, stand, it seems like he's standing like hip-high in the water, mm-hmm. and the ocean is miles deep, you know? It's... It's so deep. And Godzilla's just standing up like he can, like a duck, <laughs> like with his feet. Like if they went underwater, his feet would just be spinning real fast because he's just <laughs> floating. And now I want to see that. And so, and then there's another sequence where Godzilla comes up out of the ice in Antarctica for some reason. And he comes out of this giant pit and he just like takes a step out of this great big pit. And I'm like, man, scale and size. And, and like you said, the weight of these creatures is so ignored that it's just a terrible cartoon. At one point Mm -hmm. when they're in Antarctica and Godzilla is fighting the dragon monster they're all inside this helicopter plane and no one is has their seatbelt strapped and it looks like when the enterprise gets hit with like a a photon torpedo or something where everybody on the bridge just kind of goes oh we're gonna shake this way oh and everybody to the right oh everybody to the left meanwhile it cuts to the outside of the plane and it's spinning full 360s on the ice smashing into small piles of rock and stuff and then it cuts back to the inside and kyle chandler is just standing there he's holding onto a chair like whoa almost <laughs> they lost should all be balance like stuck to the walls there. from centrifugal yeah. force and there should be some blood like maybe somebody smashes their head on something you know like give me some sort yeah. of realistic then, then there would have groundings Oh, yeah. You you know, that's exactly right. There are no stakes in this movie. Tywin Lannister shows up for for seemingly no reason. And he's the most interesting part of the whole movie. It's true. And he's he doesn't have anything to do. And like, he's got like two minutes of screen time. And you're like, hey, I want to know his story of all these people. I kind of want to know where he's coming from. Never mind. Yeah, this guerrilla fighter who wants to reset the earth. Like, I was like, I'm, I'm kind of into that. I, I don't agree, but like, at least it's something. And then the Vera Farmiga 
character. Yeah, she takes that role and it goes really badly. <laughs> she just becomes a bad guy for no reason. And and then the daughter is in on it. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, and then the daughter's like, wait a minute, people are going to die? What? And, and Tywin Lannister is like, what did you think would happen? His name's his real name's Charles Dance, but I like to say Tywin as much as possible. Hey, people know who you're talking about when you do. And he's like, "What did you think would happen? We're going to we our plan is to kill all the humans. That's our plan. <laughs> That's that is the long term plan <laughs> is to get rid of all the people. That's what we're doing. That's what you were on board for. And now that we've said, now that she said it on webcam. <laughs> like this isn't just the consequence this is the means to the consequence yeah. and then tywin lannister gets mad at vera farmiga he's like why are they all attacking at once this wasn't part of the plan and she's like it's not me it's him and i'm like at the same time i'm like what do you care this is your plan <laughs> you yeah <want> to... <laughs> what, what, what do you care you, should, you guys should just be drinking champagne or something you should be like wow this is going a lot easier than we even thought oh right. god it's and then so she's like long live the king and i'm like kill me now oh god yeah where she's uh <laughs> so bad. It's unbelievable what they put on screen. It's it's as if you remember when we were on that airplane ride and we were trying to write an X Files story one sentence at a time. Oh yeah, yeah. And I would write one sentence and then hand it to you, and you would add one sentence, like a kind of an improv exercise, I guess. But that's what this movie felt like: is that one person on the crew got to write a line, and no one could change it. So they had to just add on to the story from there, and eventually they it got to an end. But it's and not that's, like two guys. It's like every line is a different person. Yeah. And the dialogue is just so mind-boggling. So I guess the premise is that Godzilla has been missing for five years, but the main army-slash-private organization knows where it is and has been tracking godzilla they can read his heart rate and his blood pressure from far away <laughs> like all this kind of stuff that they go through all this scientific bullshit just so that they can explain on screen what godzilla is feeling at this moment rather than showing us this movie is oh, all yeah. tell all tell and no show they're way too much up in godzilla's head just explaining everything like oh here's here's what his behaviors are here's what he's thinking here's yeah totally no that, no no effective showing at all that whole sequence where they're in the underground bunker or underwater bunker and godzilla is approaching and kyle chandler who's there to help Kyle Chandler, who just takes control of every situation he's in, no one just goes, shut up and sit down, scientist. He starts barking out orders, and they're all like, do what he says. And he says, open the view screen, because there's a view screen underwater. Submarines don't have windows. Why would this underwater laboratory that's miles underwater have a, a window that Godzilla or anything can see through? And it's just so that we can have this sequence where Godzilla shows off his fancy light show 
he and Kyle Chandler can have a sequence where they stare each other down and, and develop a mutual respect for each other. God, I hate so this. Dumb. <laughs> I hated this so much. And like a lot of times when I see a movie like this where I'm like, there's a good movie in here and why'd they ruin it? There's not a good movie. No, there. there's this should not. have been thrown away and and buried. This should have never seen any light of day. This is embarrassing. It yeah, wasn't yeah. F- it wasn't fun. It wasn't entertaining. It wasn't colorful. There's there's not even, and I feel like I would remember it because it would have stood out so much. There's not even one clever idea. There's not even one thing in there where you go like, damn it, I'm mad that they got something right because the rest of this sucks. There's just nothing. There's nothing. It's, it's I, I just don't, I just don't get it. It's, I mean, making a monster movie for like a big budget audience is difficult i get it but even though the that 2014 godzilla didn't work for me i can understand why some people liked it i just i just it just didn't work for me but oh yeah if you were one, to, if you were like, to watch that you, now though i mean you might be like wow this is so much you right. may have the lady in the water effect <laughs> yeah, it's true oh i did enjoy the um batman versus superman style open of this movie where we get to watch part of the first movie at the beginning from a different where, perspective from the perspective of bruce wayne on the ground i mean kyle chandler on the ground just running around yelling for his dead kid and then at the end so like everything that has gone wrong in this family's life the kyle chandler vera formiga and the millie bobby brown is because Godzilla attacked San Francisco. Like they, they lost their child slash brother and it ruined their marriage. The Kyle Chandler becomes an alcoholic and like they basically become, I don't know if they got divorced or they're just estranged, but it doesn't really matter. Everything is to blame on God, this Godzilla attack. And at the end of the movie, all three of them are like, go Godzilla beat this problem. We created, we caused this defeat it for us this is your responsibility because it's your fault now and it's just so awful yeah and long it's so long it could have been easily a half hour shorter i mean i I mean it could have been it probably could have been an hour shorter i mean it was it's like two and a half hours right i think it's 212 but okay well you know honestly though but um, even if they had even if they had edited it down to like under feature length time you still wouldn't have a good movie yeah you know what i mean like you wouldn't even yeah. have just that like here are the super cuts and that's fun you'd just be like here's monsters but they somehow suck <laughs> i yeah. don't know how. the coolest yeah. part of the whole movie is the half second that you see a woolly mammoth and you're like who's that yeah why didn't we get to fight any of these other awesome monsters yeah part of the preview is them being like there are 17 of them i'm like hell yeah 17 no you're you're gonna see three and then what was the point of having mothra in this movie other than to fight the the fire bird man i don't know and then why did the giant moth grow a stinger (laughs) just and then it just it just stabs the the firebird in the heart and you think the firebird's dead but then it shows up at the end to pay tribute to godzilla and you're like fight these monsters now (laughs) show them fight them i command you nope okay i guess they're all just gonna go home now and where's kong right oh he stayed home because he likes his island yeah Yeah. oh god so check it out yeah (laughs) 
No, don't. Don't see this movie. You just want to die from disappointment. This was one of the worst movies I've seen. Ooh, I can't wait to see where it lands on your hierarchy list. It's higher than you think, honestly. Oh God. Yeah. No. Because even though even though it's it's awful, the special effects when you get to see them, yeah, look pretty good. Which is why I wanted more of them. Like the, like the sequence where he's fighting these things look great. Although the worst. The worst looking sequence is when the dragon grows back one of its heads. That looked god awful. Yeah. But it was his, it was really funny looking where where else, where like its tongue grew before its head and the head grew around the tongue. I was like that's pretty funny looking. But it's it's not a part you're supposed to be you shouldn't be laughing at this. You should be like, "Oh man, this thing can regrow yeah, itself." Yeah, like how are they going to beat it? Oh my gosh. And, or you're like, "All right, one head down, two to go." Godzilla, you know, He's got an uphill battle still, but you know, it's it's why he's here. Oh, it's it can just heal itself. Oh, it's it's back to hundred percent. Okay. Oh, oh, Godzilla got killed by our our new bomb. Oh no. Oh, but the dragon monster's fine. Oh, but Godzilla went to the center of the earth where people lived apparently, and he's he's just hanging out at home in his radiation tub. All right, we're gonna send Ken Watabi down there with a nuclear bomb or something. I don't know. That'll recharge him completely. Uh-oh, our nuclear bomb recharging job did too good of a job, because now Godzilla's a, a walking bomb. Uh-oh, he's fine now. He turned red for some reason, and now we're all fine. It's just... Bah. <laughs> bah. Agreed. So what's what's next? You've got two, and I've got two, right? Uh, yeah. You still haven't seen Inside Out, right? I've seen the first 20 minutes of it. But yeah, too, yeah, of, yeah. You never of, watched more of it. <laughs> Nick, you know, this is how you're going to keep watching movies like this goddamn Godzilla. So, you know what? <laughs> it's on you to learn your lesson. I'm going to talk about Inside Out because since I'm not going to be spoiling it, it's going to be pretty brief. Godzilla didn't make me cry. Yeah, but you want your time back, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, Inside Out will make you a better person. So, anyway. Yeah, Inside Out. Pixar movie from... I don't know, what, 2013, 2014, maybe? What we've got in this movie is all these experiences of this young girl through the perspective of her emotions, which are characters. The young girl moves to San Francisco, so she's going through a lot of changes. What we get to see, really, is the interaction between these different emotions and like what she's feeling on the outside, what she's going through in this new place. And then like the two of the characters, joy and sadness end up kind of on a quest in a way. And throughout that quest, you're finding out about how emotions function, you know, what their purposes are and ways that, you know, cause the, the, emotions themselves the characters have their own feelings and thoughts and stuff so while you know sadness is mostly sad and joy is actually she's probably frustrated through most of the movie you kind of get to see the motivations that people have for like how to tackle problems and how to approach things and how we understand and misunderstand our own feelings some of this i i I could get into too much detail on because you know I do therapy work, so it kind of speaks to me in that way. As a movie, though, it's it's a great movie. It tells a great story. It's fun to see what's going on within this world of this young girl's like inner self, but it's also cool to see what's going on the outside and how those things cross over. I think that there are a lot of little things that are very relatable 
you know, cause it is about feelings and stuff. You can't help but process things in a way and think about things like, how do I feel about that sort of stuff? And so there's meaningful, tangible material there that, that you can relate with. And it's interesting because it's stuff that isn't tangible in everyday talk, you know, like sometimes you ask someone how they feel or you, someone asks you how you feel. And if you take it seriously, it's like, man, how do I feel? You know, like it, it gets complicated, but they managed to touch on a lot of this stuff in really interesting ways. But there are also things that are at face value, really tangible, like disliking broccoli. There's a chewing gum thing that goes on in this movie that I won't say more about because I don't want to spoil it, but I find it very, very funny and extremely relatable. In terms of just watching it and enjoying it, I'd say if I were to compare this to another movie or maybe another Pixar movie, I'd say it's a lot like Toy Story, maybe Toy Story 3. It's very emotionally engaging. And I, I, again, as, as a therapist, I think it's really neat to see how well they illustrate how our insides work, you know, like the inside of our mind and, and how emotions and thoughts and evaluations kind of function and struggle to function together and are confusing when they clash. But it's you're going to have to see the movie because it resolves, doesn't resolve it, but it comes to a cool place with everything that I think a lot of adults probably too, definitely kids should get to see and, and go like, oh, there's a way to visualize what's going on within me. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that every single line in the movie is like psychologically accurate or, you know, matches up with all psychological theories, but they put a lot of homework into this too. There are a lot of things that I'm like, oh yeah, no, no, they... They know what they're talking about here. So I enjoyed it a lot. If you Will you cry during this movie? Probably. If, if you have a heart, you will probably tear up at least once. <laughs> or but the whole it's totally 20 first worth 20 it. minutes till you turn it off because you can't take anymore. Well, I mean, if you were crying in the first 20 minutes, there's, there's going to be some other spots. But uh, oh, God. it's so good. Well, you know what? Whatever. Don't watch it. Watch Godzilla again. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> When I watch this, I should put a camera on me just to watch me cry the whole time. There you go. I and then at the end, I you'll be I'm like, not, I recommend it. <laughs> I'm not watching it. I'm not crying because I think it's terrible. As I'm, I was crying because I was like watching it w with my son, and it's very effective. And when he was, he was like four at the time, mm -hmm. which is like when a kid goes from like four to five. There's well, I guess from three to four. There's a switch that goes off where, like, when they turn three they change like they stop being a baby and all of a sudden they're like a little kid and all of a sudden you realize that's gone that's gone forever and i'm not going to get that back ever again and then you realize that what you have right now this little four-year-old person like today is the last day that they'll ever be like this tomorrow they're going to be a little different and then the day after that, they're going to be a little more different. And then all of a sudden they're going to school and they're outside of your ecosystem where basically for the first four or five years of their lives, you're in control of all of their input, like everything that they receive, you're, you're in charge slash responsible for it. And then all of a sudden you're giving control to them to can to manage what they are receiving and you can just see the transition from oh people do this another way or people talk like this somewhere else and you realize that you're losing this this little thing that was yours a little bit they're just be, they're not so much yours anymore as they're becoming themselves 
that they belong to themselves more and more each day and belong to you a little less. And it's that loss that it's a joyful thing, but it's also painful to experience where it's like when you see someone graduate from high school, you're very proud of them. But like a graduation isn't so much for the people who are graduating, like your high school graduation isn't really for you. It's for the people who have been with you your entire life, who are watching you achieve this, this goal that they have set for you, whether or not you appreciate it or not. And that's why like parents cry when they watch, when their when their kids graduate and stuff like that is because that was that, that little thing that's walking across the stage, shaking hands, wearing that hat used to be, this little baby that you could hold in one hand the end well and so the, the, the high school that graduation during- <laughs> thing threw me off for a minute because i'm like i think i think it's both <laughs> i think probably from the perspective of any individual person they probably see it as for them in some way or feel it well, that i'm way not i'm not speaking for I, I i wasn't speaking for for everyone in the in their in everyone's unique situations, but I would think for the most part, the first 20 minutes while I was watching Inside Out, that's all I could think about. <laughs> so I was just devastated the whole time. Well, and and as someone who doesn't have kids, I mean, I, I think I more process it as like a self-exploration and relating to the kids, the, the mm-hmm. kid character herself feel it that way i could definitely see where you would and there are moments in the movie too where i think they do a pretty good job pretty good job of kind of making the the parents putting you in their shoes a little bit they're very brief but i i like the parents i like all the characters in this movie there was something you said though that about like joy and pain going together and i mean that's largely the point of this movie and kind of how do you come to terms with that you know that like meaningful stuff comes with more than one feeling you know it comes there are risks involves things things that are failures can also be successes and and things that are new are scary and you know there's loss in I think they they kind of hit loss in a couple different ways in this movie. One of them, yeah, if you're crying in the first 20 minutes, get ready for <laughs> get get it get ready for about an, I don't know, hour and 20 minutes in maybe. Yeah. Yeah, have some tissues nearby. But anyway, yeah, I I, I think you make pretty good points too in in terms of, you know, how this is to how this probably strikes a lot of people as parents watching it too. I I would say I'm I'm out on a limb here, but I would say watch it twice. (laughs) Like (laughs) watch it well, you know, watch it once and 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 if if what's coming to you is a a parent perspective, which I imagine for a lot of parents is probably how they see a lot of things the first time around as parents. Then watch it again if if you if you're not relating to being in the shoes of the character and you're just thinking about how kind of your your kids are in those shoes watch it again that way too if you watch it at all <laughs> otherwise you know enjoy boyka or whatever actually you did enjoy boyka uh it was fantastic yeah <laughs> the other thing i was going to say is what i did see of the movie where like the little girl i guess joy is so much more of a part of her life when she's younger and then the older she gets joy becomes less and less a part of her psyche like the other emotions take command is that correct the other feelings are becoming more important Mm -hmm. i i don't think that there's anything 
implied in the movie that like joy is less really it's just that like she's having to appreciate that there's really purpose for the rest you know mainly sadness i mean really the other characters they're there they're entertaining she straight off the bat is like here's why this one is here here's what fear does here's what disgust does here's what anger does sadness the heck sadness is actually for she's kind of useless which is honestly how a, a lot of people relate to sadness you know like their their own feelings of sadness is it's, it's just painful and i hate it what's its purpose and and not actually recognizing that there really is and i think that if i if i were to ding this movie in one way it's that when they explain when it becomes there are two moments in this movie where you see sadness function and one of them is when she's interacting with another character who you probably didn't see because you only saw the first 20 minutes of the movie but there's I'll, I'll just say a purple character there's a purple fuzzy character maybe pink that she interacts with at some point no but it, mm. maybe not that far off but like she interacts with that character at some point in the movie in a way that i think is really really the most meaningful show of sadness and a good way to even relate to sadness because sadness is relating to us a, a character that's sad in that moment mm -hmm. and it's really great there's another moment later where they kind of spell out sadness's purpose and you go, oh, this is why you're here. And I don't think it's actually, it does have a point and, and there's some truth to it, but it's not as fundamentally true as the moment where she's interacting with this other character. And it's the one thing in the movie where I'm like, ah, <laughs> that's as a therapist, I'm like, that's frustrating. I don't want people walking away with only this one explanation. Go back and watch that scene again. Anyway. Yeah. So, so a lot of the, a lot of the movies really struggling and, and joy is, is obviously she's, joy she's that feeling but she's also because she has her own thoughts and character and stuff like she is another perspective that the viewer can really fall into because people fight with their feelings that are painful and joy is fighting with sadness rather than going like hey what are you trying to say you know like what's the important stuff that you're actually recognizing and that you are about and instead, she's just like, oh, God, she's so annoying. And so really, I think what, what the movie's less saying, it, it's, it's not saying that joy is less important. It's more like these other things are important, too. And because we like being happy and because we want to be happy, we want to like we kind of naturally want to fight against other stuff. We want joy to be in charge. And that's kind of misguided. Mm, OK, very interesting. Yeah, I thought they I thought they did a great job. This is where like one of these moments where Pixar like really their special ability to tell great stories, make beautiful movies, and hit meaningful points is is really shining. Unlike cars, which sucks. <laughs> so there. <laughs> you got a quick review on cars too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I used to hate that cars movie. Uh, but I've seen it. A bunch of times now yeah. the first one the first one uh -huh. that i like it more i still don't want to watch it but like if it's on i would be like oh all right this is this is pretty entertaining but they they really missed the mark with cars and then cars 2 is just a nightmare 
I never even watched the third one. Yeah, Cars felt to me like, okay, here's a fairly bad Disney movie and like a really disappointing Pixar movie. Yeah. I appreciated Cars a lot more after I saw the movie Planes, which is like the right to video uh-huh. ripoff of it that I guess lives in the, it's like part of the Cars cinematic universe because they all look the same, but the budget's not quite there. Uh-huh. And that movie is atrocious. And then you watch Cars again and you go, well, at least it's not as bad as Planes. Yeah. Also, Larry the Cable Guy is in Cars and that doesn't help. No. Although he is perfectly cast, but I just don't care for him anymore. I did at one point in my life. I thought he was really funny. I I never did. No, I like to stand up. I don't think most things are funny. So (laughs) (laughs) there's that. So we got three more movies to get through. So what, what, what else have you got? Devil. From 2010. Did you ever see this? I did. Okay, great. So, spoiler alert for Devil. Yeah. This movie was not directed by M. Night Shyamalan, which is why I wanted to watch it. I was like, oh, right. I forgot all about that movie. It's directed by a guy named John Eric Dowdell. But this is based on an M. Night Shyamalan. Is it... is it Shyamalan? I'm looking at it right now. Have I been saying his name wrong this entire time? It, it, it's Shyamalan. 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 I this thought is you were saying of, it weird on purpose. This is part of M. Night's The Night Chronicles series of films that he was going to make. And this is the first one. And at the beginning of the movie, it tells you that because it says The Night Chronicles And then the number one comes across the screen and you're like, oh, I guess we're going to get a whole lot more of these. Well, we didn't. Wow. I don't even remember that happening. Yeah, it's terrible. And then you get to watch the Philadelphia skyline upside down for about four minutes. And this movie was not the worst thing I've ever seen. Sounds about right. It, (laughs) It was only an hour and 20 minutes, which was terrific. Definitely helps. The story is stupid. Yep. But effectively told and i i didn't hate this it was it was dumb it was stupid (laughs) it's like the the script is just god awful oh man the 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 pinnacle of that is the guy talking about how jelly if you drop a piece of toast with jelly on it it's gonna land (laughs) like whatever side i'm like just just shut up how did m night Shyamalan pass this off and still manage to get his hands on the dialogue that's how he proves the devil is there it's because his, his, his jelly toast fell down face first so fucking stupid <laughs> oh man oh the first thing i want to say before i before i forget about it is that the one character the the mattress salesman is played by jeffrey arend and i know him best from the movie super troopers he's one of the high kids in the car at the beginning of the movie who's like i'm freaking out man and in this movie he's an adult he looks like two children in a large suit like in one of them standing (laughs) he just says he looks like a child wearing an adult costume logan marshall green is in this movie and he's your low rent tom hardy that's who i always get jai courtney confused with is this guy uh he plays the mechanic there's like the hot lady and then there's an old lady and bokeem woodbine plays this temporary security guard in this philadelphia skyscraper i think it's supposed to be the comcast building but i'm not sure anyway this movie starts off with the latino character 
I can't find him, but he looks like Michael Pena. I kept I kept wanting him to be Michael Pena, but he's not Michael Pena. Okay. Uh, oh, Jacob Vargas. He plays Ramirez, and it starts with him telling this story about how the devil likes to. It's off screen, and while the we're watching the Philadelphia skyline upside down, and he's telling this story about how the devil likes to mess with people and and hurt them right in front of you and he goes i always thought that the story my mother told me was an old wives tale but it's not and immediately i'm like that's not a wives tale an old wives tale is throw some salt on a cut to help it heal faster uh you're talking no that's a home remedy but it's like an old wives tale or something no no an old wives tale is a story is it yeah oh because what he's talking about is like a folk tale yeah that's right. Are they the same thing? Yeah. Well, I'm cutting this part out of the show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. Point for the movie. Even if I was wrong, this is how I knew the movie was going to be bad. It starts off with this guy committing suicide that we never see. We just see him smash into a truck, and then that truck rolls down the street for some reason, and this cop shows up. And he's like, oh, we got a dead body on top of the car. And he looks at it and he goes, this didn't happen here. This happened up the street. So the two cops walk up the street and the main cop, who I will refer to as Super Cop, says, there's your building. That's where he jumped off of the the Comcast building there. And they walk up to it and there's this guy out front just sweeping up broken glass. And no one seems to care that there's a man-shaped hole on the 90th floor of this building. And the cop has to be like, stop sweeping the glass. This Something serious happened here. Please stop disturbing the glass. And then life inside this building just continues like normal. People are coming in and out. Like, the police don't shut down this building f- for this. And maybe in a real situation like this, they wouldn't because it's such a large building. But all of our main characters beside the cop get onto this elevator and the elevator gets stuck. And immediately everyone on the elevator hates each other and it's just obnoxious <laughs> it's so it's so obnoxious it's so over the top it's it's i i loved it <laughs> it was so corny it was so dumb and i didn't know who so like the devil is one of them that's like the selling point right. of the movie is that but but as the viewer we don't know who the devil is, so we've got to figure it out. And one by one, the devil kills everyone in the elevator. And you're just like, oh, well, I guess it's not him anymore. Oh, I guess it's not her. I guess it, it, it really oh, I, makes you know, it feel like the devil's working on a pretty low stakes scale, too. Yeah. Like the devil's got all this time. Just be like, yeah, you know, and I'm going to take out a few people in an elevator one at a time. Yeah. And then through the police officer that like the police officer's story is that his wife and child were killed in a hit and run accident like five years ago because of that. He became an alcoholic and kind of threw his life away. And he's just now getting everything, I guess, back back in order. He keeps telling everyone that <laughs> he, keeps, he keeps telling everyone his story. And then he goes to this crime scene. And while he's there, I guess he's sleeping with one of the other cops. Cause the other, the one cop is like, how's your dating life? And he's like, leave me alone. And then he gets a call on his radio saying, Hey, we got some people stuck in an elevator. And the cop's like, 
all right, I guess I'll just leave the site of this suicide and address this. And he goes upstairs and the one security guard is this old man. And he's like, yeah, we got people stuck in an elevator. They can hear us, but we can't hear them, blah, blah, blah. And then there's the other security guard who's the Latino guy who's not Michael Pena. He says, this is the work of the devil because someone committed suicide. The devil is here now. And because this toast fell over, jelly side down the devil's here and super cop is like are you kidding me with this guy and the old man's security guard is like oh shut up ramirez get out of here and then slowly as the movie goes on ramirez slowly convinces super cop that it's the devil doing all this stuff (laughs) it it is it's just the devil is doing things (laughs) oh it's so dumb it's so dumb There's that sequence where the one maintenance guy in the whole building is trying to fix the elevator and they got him going to the roof, to the basement, back up to the roof. And then he's going to rappel down the elevator shaft by himself. He doesn't get like one other guy to help him, like, you know, just to in case he falls and then he just he falls because he gets attacked by pigeons and he falls to his death. It's so stupid. Oh, God. Oh, man. Oh, what a dumb movie. Yeah. But it, it, but it is like, it's a decently satisfying 80 minutes. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah. It's well paced. It's well shot. I, I was looking at the trivia for this movie, and the cinematographer is a guy by the name of tak fujimoto and he was the cinematographer for silence of the lambs the sixth sense and star wars episode four the a new hope well i guess he wasn't cinematographer for that but silence of the lambs and the sixth sense have like a great look to them and i think we have tak fujimoto to thank for all that i like the way his movies look and i'm going to look into more of them he's got like a lot of rich tones which which i really enjoy Mm -hmm. but This movie is, it's an hour and 20 minutes. If you haven't seen it, I would say check it out because it's a good popcorn horror movie. All of the action in the movie takes place off camera. Like every time something terrible is going to happen, the lights will go out and then you just get to hear sandbags move around Uh and then the lights come back on and someone else is dead and you're like, oh, I guess it wasn't them now. Well, we're down to three people. Who could it be? And then you're like, I know who it is. Yeah. And then you don't care. You you don't care because I will say that this movie, I I get freaked out at movies with the devil. I'm not a religious person, but The Exorcist really bothers me. I think the movie The Exorcist is like the scariest thing ever. And it's mostly because of what I do to myself afterwards, where like I frighten myself where I keep thinking, oh man, I hope the devil isn't here watching me and doing all this stuff. And I was doing the same thing during this movie where I'm like, I don't like devil movies. They bother me. And while I'm saying that in my head, my son wakes up and he he appears at the top of the steps going, Daddy! And I'm like, oh my God, what? (laughs) (laughs) And he like needed help with something. I go upstairs and I help him and I put him back to bed. And as I close his door and I'm in the dark hallway, I'm like, well, I hope the devil's not here. Why did I think that? Now I got to walk all the way downstairs thinking about the devil. (laughs) So it's like one of those things where if you've ever been walking around in in a dark house and you're like, everything's fine. And all of a sudden you think, I hope something scary doesn't happen. And then you're like, oh man, I'm going to walk a little quicker now, but I'm a grown adult. So I'm not going to run. I'm just going to walk quick and then move real fast. We all do that. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) 
That was a great moment while watching the movie. Is So if you can, while watching the movie Devil, have a seven-year-old kid just appear in your vision screaming daddy, it'll really set sell the movie for you. <laughs> so that's all I got for that. All right. All right. Uh, so In the Tall Grass is a Netflix uh, original, which probably means somebody made it and Netflix bought it. And the idea in this movie is that a pregnant young woman and her brother end up there driving somewhere and they're talking about her wanting to i'm not sure actually to tell you the truth like this movie was not very good i'm gonna show my cards at the beginning here but (laughs) i can't remember even though i just saw this a couple days ago whether they were talking about it at the beginning as though she might be wanting to get an abortion or she's going somewhere i don't even think for the first few minutes you know whether it's her brother or her boyfriend and it's like are they going to get married or what where are they headed what is it that they're leaving behind and heading towards and they stop driving in the middle of nowhere and there is what i kept calling a cornfield in my notes and it's not it's a grass field because it's called in the tall grass and i don't know that grass fields are things but at least in this movie there's like six foot grass i have no idea when this movie's set there were times that i felt like it was supposed to be set in the past but they have cell phones so i guess not and when when they get out of their car in this grass field area they hear noises coming from the grass they hear like a kid yelling And so they go into the grass to find out what's going on and to try to help. From there, you discover and you kind of learn it piece by piece that there are some weird things going on in this field. The rules of how things work are different in this area. There's like trouble orienting themselves and finding each other when they get split up and things like that. I don't think that it's particularly well done i want to say that there's a good idea in here but it's already been done in other places very early on i thought hey maybe i'll maybe this is going to be good because it kind of reminds me of that movie triangle which if you haven't seen it check out triangle oh yeah i remember you telling me about that yeah that one's totally worth seeing this one isn't. And when I thought that, uh, you know, I was like, oh, maybe this will be uh, kind of like that, but, uh, you know, creative and different. And no, it's just not as good. It's it's like Netflix doing what it does, like it did with where it tried to make its own version of A Quiet Place, and it was terrible. This isn't mm-hmm. quite as bad as that, but it's it's pretty lame. Patrick Wilson is in it, and he's doing his regular crap job. And there's a kid in this. And he looks like kind of like a young Elijah Wood. I know Elijah Wood looks young all the time anyway, but this kid looks kind of like him, but with like scragglier hair. Sorry, kid. You know, he's he's just not very good either. And that may be the the writing and the kid's acting, but he he's, starts out annoying and then he stays annoying throughout the whole movie. There are other characters who show up in this, and I'm not going to spoil it just in case people do want to see it because of the nature of the movie. Like if you, I guess you're there for twists and trying to figure out what's going on. So having stuff spoiled would suck, but it's, it's again, it's just not well done. Like even with the people figuring out what their situation is like the, in terms of what, how dire it is, they just take it in too quickly. Like, Oh my God, Mm -hmm. you know, clearly we like, there's a point where the guy's like, what, or maybe it's the girl says like, forget about the kid. (laughs) This is about us now. And I'm like, you guys just, you just got lost a minute ago, <laughs> like, and you're ready to ditch this kid. It, it, it just, it's, 
it's not well paced. And then as as it starts to, I guess, kind of come together, things just really don't pay off very well. And instead of it being like a puzzle that you're able to put together throughout the movie, it's more like it seems like it was a puzzle. And then it's like, yeah, you know, here's this sort of like non-related explanation for things. And it's, and it's bad. There's pretty bad CGI. There are moments in this movie where I'm like, oh, did are we doing art now? Is that is that what's happening? Because all of a sudden they're like, here are some really abstract images and whatnot. And I'm like, oh, all right then. So it's not really consistent either there is some interesting grass movement imagery like there are some shots from above and from different angles where you see how the grass is moving and i'm like man i could watch this all day i I don't want to watch this movie much longer but i could watch the grass moving around that's pretty neat the the puzzle thing's a real problem because there's one point in the movie where the girl hears something and it seems like a big clue as to like what's going on and you're like, okay, I'm going to figure out what that's about. And other than knowing where it came from, what you do as soon as they hear it, there's there's nothing. It's like, it's as if someone were to say, hey, don't do that thing because it'll cause this loop sort of experience that keeps happening. And you're like, okay, cool. How is that thing the most important thing? And then when you get to the point where you see her say it, you're like, well, that doesn't that's not even the most important part of all this happening what what this is dumb mm. and uh the characters make sort of nonsensical realizations like they'll come to conclusions where you're like i might come to that conclusion but i don't know why the character would and it's too long so yeah i don't recommend this movie the selling point is grass i mean seriously like that's that's that should tell you something right there. And if you are a fan of Triangle, you are either, I'd say, like 10% likely to enjoy this and 90% likely to really hate it and just wish you were watching Triangle. And I found out at the end, which made sense because there were some moments throughout the movie where I'm like, boy, this feels kind of Stephen Kingy in some moments, that it is based on a Stephen King novella. Oh, okay. So screw that. Just go see Dr. Sleep. <laughs> although although i have heard some people have some negative reviews on it but i uh usually when i see a movie and i like it and then i hear a negative review i'm like okay i could see you know those are points and and maybe it influences a little bit of how i feel about it i i've heard some pretty negative criticisms and i'm like they're not completely wrong but it's it's still holding up in my mind so yeah don't see in the tall grass though okay that's the end of that so All Nick's right, going to watch be, that instead of watching um, Upgrade probably or Inside Out. Or, probably will. That yeah. sounds pretty great. I love right. grass movies. <laughs> yeah, I love that grass-based <laughs> cinema. Like anything based in like a meadow. Um, like a watch Field of Dreams right now. The Killing Fields. Children of the Corn. Children of the Corn. All right. So lastly, I watched... Dick Tracy from 1990, directed by Warren Beatty and starring Warren Beatty, Al Pacino, Madonna, and Dustin Hoffman's in this. This movie has a, a awesome cast. This was a movie you left that out came the kid. Out. Oh yeah, the kid who is the kid from Hook. Hook. Yeah, which I, I didn't realize. Charlie Corsmo. So this was a movie that came out when I was nine, and when I was nine and ten. I was really into comic books and anything that was comic book related, I loved. 
And I loved this movie. I mean, this movie was the best thing ever. And I was wrong. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Yeah. I, I was wrong. I shouldn't have watched this because it's ruined for me. I still think it's really nice to look at. It's very colorful. And Al Pacino plays this over-the-top gangster thing. I mean, saying Al Pacino is over-the-top is almost redundant anymore. But So it's saying he plays a gangster. Yeah, but he's he's quite entertaining in this movie. Madonna is terrible in this movie. Warren Beatty is terrible in this movie. I guess Warren Beatty and Madonna were an item at the time when this movie came out, which is why their scenes feel so awkward together. If you're unaware, Dick Tracy's based on a comic strip. I guess I thought it was always based on a comic book from like the 40s, but it's based on like a newspaper comic strip. Dick Tracy's this super detective in the big city. I guess it's New York. I don't know. And he's fighting crime and he comes across this kid pickpocket and then basically adopts him. And I I don't know. I don't know about this movie. Yeah. Kid eats constantly, which is like a running gag. And this is not a good movie. This isn't good. No, I saw it maybe 10 years ago. Maybe more than that, yeah. even maybe, but long enough. Well, a long, long ago, but recently enough that I had grown up, <laughs> yeah. and I was like revisiting something that felt old, and uh, I was like, "Wow, this doesn't hold up at all." What? No, not at all. And I, mean, I, th- it's I just- think when we were kids, it's just you know there weren't that many movies being made, so you you, you had a lot of leeway. Well, while I was watching it this time, what I realized is that Warren Beatty just wanted to make Batman, Uh and this is his Batman. Uh And to the point where even Danny Elfman does the music for this movie, and it's just sounds like repurposed Batman, the, the Batman theme from the 89 Batman movie. And... Dick Tracy's running around. He's got his yellow coat on and it's like flapping behind him. He's jumping around and the cape is moving or his coat's moving around like a cape. It feels like they wanted to make this detective movie, but oh, it's based on a comic book. You know what's real hot in comic books? That Batman movie that came out last year. Let's make it like that. People seem to like that. I I think, too, there's even a bit of a knockoff Tim Burton kind of aesthetic to some of the stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. At some point, I think Tim Burton was attached to direct this. Oh. Yeah. And then Warren Beatty just decided to do it. I guess, like, it's if you look into the trivia for this, at one point, everyone was supposed to be in this movie. To at one point, or another. It's just one of those movies that just took forever to get made. And then finally it just existed. The Tim Burton stuff is, is really true. It's as if, if, if you took a Tim Burton movie and put color into it, where like, instead of everything being dark and dreary, it's bright colors and cartoonish backdrops. The style of the movie is pretty cool. A lot of the, the, the cityscapes, like the, the wide shots of the city are clearly drawings. Like they don't even, they don't make an attempt to make yeah, they're it not real, trying like to photorealistic. It, it they're not trying to, to hide comic-y. it. Yeah. And I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Like all the adult characters in this movie all wear bright colors and all of the villains in this movie, anyone who's a bad guy is horribly disfigured in some way. It's basically a kid's Sin City. That's fantastic. Yeah. You're absolutely right. 
It, that felt right when I said it. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. that's that's a that's terrific. That's exactly what this is. It's PG Sin City. It's not done nearly as well, and it's it's boring. Apparently, this movie was supposed to be forty five minutes longer. Oh and my then, god! And Disney chopped it down to to like the hour and a half that it is. It's only an hour and a half. Or it's like oh, an hour man. 45, but it feels like it's three hours oh, long. Yeah. It's just a slog. The one thing I did like is the kid. I thought the kid was great. When do we eat? He didn't, he didn't have to, yeah, he didn't have much to do, but I never found him annoying. And I was never like, oh, get rid of this kid, even though he keeps showing up. But that's not the kid's fault. Like the kid actor I was fine with. I was like, oh, nice work, kid. I could see why you were in Hook. And, uh, and then nothing else, I guess, but that I can think of. But I, I should have never watched it because it was so much better as a, like one of those memories where you're like, oh, man, I always liked Dick Tracy. Oh, I, it's too bad I can't watch watch it anywhere but i did now yep. i can't i can't go back no you can't undo it to, like to i was so into this some credit his name is charlie corsmo which i have is a name i don't think i've ever even heard so i didn't know that i was so into this movie that when i was nine i got a flat top haircut because i liked the character flat top so much are you serious Oh, yeah. There's a picture of me with, I think it looks more like a kid in play flat top because I don't think the barber understood that I wanted to look like the guy from <laughs> Dick Tracy. And nor should he have understood. <laughs> <laughs> he should but, have been very confused. Yeah. But yeah, I had that haircut for like a day and then I washed my hair and, you know, it fell. It didn't fall out then much later. But, but yeah, I was really into this and... I was wrong. I was really oh, wrong. man. Flat so, top. I really want that flat top haircut. <laughs> I, can't, I, can't, I, I can't even make sense of this. It's just too much. Yeah. Oh, man. I'll, try to, I'll see if I can find it. My mom probably has it somewhere. When I was a kid, I, I always wanted a rat tail, and the, Ugh, the hairdresser kept God. giving me a mullet instead. <laughs> I don't think you can get one without the other. I think that's the law. I don't know. You can have a, well, I don't know. But I ended up with just a mullet. I never had a rat tail. Eventually I had a ponytail. That's about as close as I got. Anyway. So that, that I think that's corner. all I got on. I think that's all I got on Dick, Dick Tracy. Tracy. Yeah. It's, it's worth checking out to like, see it. Like, don't watch the whole thing, but like, if it it's on Netflix or something, feel free to fast forward through it and, and whatever, like watch the Al Pacino parts. Cause some of them are actually pretty funny. There is one sequence in this movie that I wanted to bring up where Dick Tracy is rescuing, I want to say a cop, from getting a cement bath where they cover him up in cement and then drop him to the bottom of the river. And Dick Tracy shows up and rescues this guy by like pretending to be behind these boxes. And then I guess it's Flat Top and some other thug are like shooting the jacket and Tracy frees this dude. And then they cut back to Tracy and he's the one inside the cement and he's covered in cement mm -hmm. and he's like trying to shoot the bad guys with the gun uh -huh. but then the faceless man shows up and does it for him how did dick tracy get covered in cement and where did the other guy go i don't know but i do know that i remember watching this movie and going i don't think that the crime plot line makes sense <laughs> and i remember that being part of it where i was like what? yeah it what? doesn't make any sense I was like, yeah. huh i don't get it yeah. yeah yeah it's so convoluted but it's like a it's like a comic book from the 40s and it has that feel like i think the movie 
nails what it was going for. I don't think the movie is a, a failure, but it's just not very good, especially in today's in today's world. Like the movie does not hold up to today's expectations for a movie. And this really falls quite flat. I really was unhappy. Well, yeah, that brings us to our famous segment on the show where we rank the movies we've seen. I'll go first because I have placed my movies. Now, the first movie I discussed hours ago was frozen. I'm going to put that in the number 15 spot between Arctic, the good Arctic, and above John Wick 3. I'm going to give it four stars. I would give it four and a half, but I really don't like that rock sequence. And But I would totally recommend it. So, yeah, Frozen, Frozen's up there. Pretty good for me. And then, next on the list is Dick Tracy in the number... 71 spot between replicas and above reign of the supermen i'm gonna give this one and a half stars and that's a no and devil i'm actually gonna move devil up because after talking about it i realized i enjoyed it more than than i thought so so stepping back a little bit i'm gonna put devil uh about the jelly yeah (laughs) i'm gonna i'm gonna put it up one more just because of that <laughs> I'm going to put Devil in the number 64 slot between Justice League versus the Fatal Five and Teen Titans the Judas Contract. I'm going to give Devil one and a half stars and I would recommend it. And then finally, I saw all the way down here in the number 101 spot underneath the Descent 2, but above Batman and Harley Quinn. Godzilla King of the Monsters, which I'm going to give one star. I want to give it half a star, but some of those special effects are really well done. So it gets a, a full star from me, but I do not recommend it. Nobody should see this. That's two from the bottom for me. Above, It's above Batman and Harley Quinn and Hell Comes to Frogtown. So that's, oh, that's, that is that is close to the bottom. I had moved. Remember I said it's going to be higher than you think? Yeah. After talking about it, I moved it down. <laughs> I was going to say that's, that's yeah. not much higher than I would have thought. Yeah. I, it uh, was, I think it was much closer to Dick Tracy, and then I moved it much further down. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, I, I hate it more from here than, than I did when I saw it in the theater. I'm like, yeah, Burn in Hell movie. In my, I'm going to put Inside Out into the one, two, three, four into my fifth slot between Fellowship of the Ring and Dr. Sleep. Wow, okay. And I'm going to have to scroll down. How many stars would you give Inside Out? Uh, You know, I'm kind of torn here. I I think, you know what? I'm going to give it five stars. Wow, five stars. Yeah. Wow. That is your only five-star ranking since we started tracking stars. Wow. Really? I didn't give LA Confidential five stars? Nah, that was before we were writing them down. Oh, I was going to say, I don't know what I could have yeah. banged that movie on. I, I assume LA Confidential and Raiders both get five stars. That would be but, correct. Um, yes. Indeed. Yeah, but we didn't write it down. And then you watch the the, mow- the lawn mowing man. Yeah, I was, was going to make a joke about how it was torn between five stars and two stars, but it's too late. <laughs> but I watched In the Tall Grass, and that is going between Ghost Shark and After Earth. Actually, no, no, it's not. No, it's not. Oh. It's going lower than that because it. I enjoyed the boy more than I enjoyed in the tall grass. Uh, okay, it's going, it's going between the boy and the Evil Dead. Okay, yeah, which I saw the Evil Dead too. <laughs> Wait, you did watch it? 
Yeah, uh, yeah, but I was I was talking to Scott the whole time, so uh, I'm not reviewing it. Uh, okay, I, I could tell from from what I saw that it is the best of the three. <laughs> How many stars for Tall Grass? Mm, one and one. One star. Yeah, we're gonna go with one. I'm guessing that's a new. You no, you know, I'm going to go with one and a half. Yeah, I'll, I'll, give, it a, right. I'll give it a little bit more for the grass imagery. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> and no, I don't recommend it. Okay. If you want to check out our list, you can go to thisweekinfilm.com, try and find <laughs> try and find a link to our Letterboxd page. <laughs> Good luck with that. And, uh, and you'll, uh, you know, go on an adventure. And you'll find, uh, you'll find our Matt and I's individual list there. If you want to send us an email to tell us what you've seen in film this week, you can send us an email at thisweekinfilmpodcast at gmail.com. And let me just reach into the old mailbox here and... Oh, We've got a we got a letter, Matt. Oh, like a legit actual email. You can also send us messages through Instagram. That is also true, and the Facebook and the Twitter. So this is a letter from Kevin, the big ticket. He says, "Nick and Matt!" Exclamation point. So he's shouting, Kevin. <laughs> he says, "Big ticket here, checking in from sunny Florida." He is enjoying the pod down there, spreading the word to a new Southern demographic. Thank you, Florida and Brazil. And Japan. He says he just finished this week's episode, which I think is three weeks ago now. Uh, Time gets confusing. His favorite part was my Keanu Reeves impression. And then he goes on to say that Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness are works of art and should definitely be seen and enjoyed. Then he goes on to say he just saw the movie Parasite in theaters. Oh, that sounds good. It is a Korean drama slash comedy that Mm. turns into a horror movie? Question mark. He heard great things. He says he enjoyed it and would give it a recommend if you're looking for something different. But he's not sure it lived up to the hype he heard. So Uh. he says he'll give it three and a half stars or a B rating. Okay, no, that's good to hear because I wanted to see that. And to know to temper my expectations a little bit is probably very helpful. Thank you, Big Ticket. He tells us to keep up the good work, and he looks forward to hearing the next preview corner. Oh, you know what? I actually had one this week, even though I didn't go to the theater. Because when I watched In the Tall Grass, I followed it up by watching a YouTube video of previews for action movies coming out next year. But Uh I'll have to save it for the next show since this one's run so long. Okay. Matt, anything from Midwest Matt recommends this week? You know what? I thought I had something, but I'm going to have to pass. All right, so I guess if that is the end of the reel, we'll see you next week in film. And remember, judge movies, not people. Unless they're kids with crazy hair. Judge children. <laughs>